Vivi Owens, award-winning podcaster of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. She's an author. She's written for every publication you can think of. New York City's most powerful bookfluencer. She even talked about my book on her podcast. Zibby's new book, Moms Don't Have Time, a quarantine anthology, is available now. I was honored to be on her podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight, and we wanted to continue our conversation on Squats and Margaritas. And Squats and Margaritas is brought to you by my favorite water, Flow Alkaline Spring Water. They just dropped three new flavors of collagen-infused water. Go check them out at flowhydration.com and use Squats and Margaritas 20 to get 20% off your order. Here is my episode with Zibby Owens. Hi. Hi. Thank you so much for doing this. I, I said in the intro, when you vibe with someone, the conversation is never long enough. So we're taking this conversation to my podcast now. <laughs> yeah, there we go. We'll just to jump back and forth. It. I want to get into all the things, the book, the podcast, but I want to start just like growing up, like with your story, you have this drive and you're an entrepreneur, you're on the board of everything. You do so much. Have you always had that drive and has it come from your family? Just like looking at your family and the success and the drive around you. Is that where it stemmed from? Um. You know, when I was younger, it was more, all you could really do is work super hard at school, right? So I always worked really, really hard at school. Um, and I got involved with extracurriculars and things, but I think I just like being busy and stressed. I've realized this in like the last two months or so, like I must really like this because I continually put myself into this position where I'm doing kind of too much. Um, and I've always been like that even as a kid. Um, I don't know why. It, my family doesn't put any pressure on me um, at all. The only thing, you know, which is in the back of my own head is my dad being like, hey, he calls me monkey, like, hey, monk, what are you up to? Are you just sitting around eating bonbons? <laughs> and he, he, like, every so often would say that. I'm like, no, dad, I'm not sitting around eating bonbons. I just got home from work or I just did this or whatever. And he means it as a joke. But that's sort of the, you know, I don't really relax very well. And I don't think my dad ever relaxes really. I mean, I shouldn't say that, but you know, we're always like reading, right? Like if a relaxing means still being engaged in something, cause that is a form of relaxation, right? That's like my happy mm -hmm. spot is like all of that. So anyway, I don't, how do you, like, how does Zibby have time to read books? Like, I know that's your like outlet. You have four kids. I like, as I mentioned, you're on every board, you're championing all these other authors, like, all that you throw yourself into, when do you ever have time for Zibby? I don't, I'm not very good at this. <laughs> well, I, I mean it. I mean, I, um, but I also feel like all of this is time for me. Like in a way, this whole thing is so selfish. Like, cause I love it. Like, what am I doing? Is it even a job? What is this? I don't know what I'm doing, <laughs> right? I'm certainly not earning enough money to call this a job. So, I mean, kind of, I guess with my books, but whatever. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Like this morning, for instance, we dropped the kids at school and they're finally in school. And um, often my husband and I will walk the dog back home through Central Park. But I was like, oh my gosh, I have something at nine and 10 and 11 and I haven't finished my newsletter. And, da, 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 da. and then I had to be like, no walking through the park 
and spending time with your husband is really, really important. It is not as important as the 15 minutes you would save driving through the park so that you could prepare more. So I have to just like talk myself off the ledge, right? right. Um, so even, and, and, and also the ledge of like, well, what's a walk? I mean, come on, you know, like, it's not like a spin class. It's not a real workout. Why does it even matter? You know, I never used to walk. I never used to think of walking as anything other than, oh, I worked out in the morning and then I like did weightlifting. And then of course I walked my kids through the park to go to this class. And now yeah. I'm like, oh, the walk is my thing. <laughs> yes. You're, you're more present. Like you're making me more cognizant. When I, you told your story about this, your husband brought you a s'more and you're like, what are you doing? Like you're giving baths and you're doing all the things that is me all the time. And I would never have taken the time. I'm not going to say that s'mores arrive um, upstairs for me all the time, but had they, I probably would have been like the routine, like, what are you doing? Because you're so, but then when you step back and think about it, like, I'm just giving my kids a bath. Like it can wait five minutes. It's going to be fine. And I struggle with anxiety. And I think that I read too, that you were saying in one of your, um, essays that your life with anxiety almost prepared you for COVID because you're like, something bad's going to happen. You were already ready for that. So it almost prepared you to handle it. I struggle with it as well. And I, I feel like my anxiety, I don't know. I'm always just like, come on, come on, come on. Like I always say the bath thing. My, my daughter will be like, okay, mom, like I say, it's time for bath. It's time. Why is it time? Like no right. one else is like, <laughs> I don't know why I'm on such a, but like I'm missing things. And I think you and I talked about it on um, your podcast. Like my son is two and he wants to hang out with me and he'll just like come and he just asked me now. And I was like, no, mommy's got to work. He's like, will you sit with me? And I'm sitting here feeling guilty now. And it's just hard. It's so I hard. just left my son downstairs to do this too. And I felt bad because I was like, oh, I could barely even sit with him to have breakfast. Um, yeah. I think the guilt doesn't go away. Um, and that's so funny you say that about the time. Cause like even today I'm like, we're leaving at 1130 yeah. and I want everyone downstairs. I'm going to be rushing from what I'm doing and we're leaving at 1130. And it's like, why am I making myself crazy all day? I know I'm not going to have time to get the things done I need to do. Like, who needs to, why is 20 minutes so important? But I'm like, you know, even it to is. my husband, I'm like, you better be there. I'm giving you two and a half hours of notice. 1130 is the time. Yes. Are you <laughs> um, firstborn? I'm firstborn. Same. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm the firstborn of four. And yeah. I think that's my obsessive perfectionist personality. None of my little sisters have that. They're just kind of like casual and like yeah. seem to enjoy their life a little bit more. And like my husband will be like, you don't need to be this way. I don't want to be this way. I'm not proud of this, but like, that's just, I think it's a firstborn perfectionist thing. And I think when I got into all my like obsessive behaviors, like eating disorders, none of them struggled with that either. It was all just this obsessive personality. And I, I think it has a lot to do with firstborn. And like, I look at you, like you went to Yale, then you went to Harvard business school. Like, it sounds like a movie. It doesn't even sound real, like your life, but you just so you didn't feel a pressure to do that and to succeed. Like you just wanted that for you and you went to the top of every school that well, you could go to. But I grew up in a cult, like I grew up in the New York City private school system. So I actually grew up feeling pretty not not very bright compared to a lot of my friends who were like doing much better than me in school. Um, because I went to, it's only now that I'm older that I'm like, wow, I've grown up with like the smartest people everywhere. Um, because for me, that was normal. And even then in my colleges, like I've never felt particularly bright until perhaps recently when I'm not even bright, but now I'm like, oh, it looks like I'm able to do more than some people. That's not bright. It's just like a bandwidth issue. So that's my only thing that I've acknowledged that I do have like 
you know, that I can take on a lot of stuff and do it really quickly, but whether or not that's intelligence, I don't even know what that is. It's just like super speed. <laughs> it's a gift. Yeah. It's a gift. It's just super speed. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> Uh, which by the way is why I realized the other day, I was like, this is why I hated working in corporate America because like I would be given something to do in the morning and I'd be done like 20 minutes later, right. For the mm-hmm. day. And then I'd have to sit there and I'm yeah. like, okay, what else can I do? You know? Yes. You got to check it like, off. Yes. Right? This is so stupid. Like, so not that all corporate America is like that. <laughs> corporate <laughs> America I, is I stupid. share your same, um, I think that's why we got along. Like we have the same, um, yes. engine, the same, like, and I don't know if it's firstborn or anxiety or just our particular sort of makeup, but yes. I am the same way. And I, and again, like I try to be more laid back. You're, same thing. My little brother is like, whatever, I think we'll go, you know, we're going to hang out in Montana and we're going to like, whatever. And I'm like, you know, I, even if I, when I visited him, I was like, what time are we whitewater rafting? Like, <laughs> right. do, where are the forms? Let me get the forms done for the whitewater. And he's like, it's all right. Like, it's cool. It's okay. Yeah, you know. I know. So I, I mean, I'm making myself sound completely unlikable. So no, I love you. <laughs> we, but we talked about this too. Like we put all this stuff on our plate, but we almost need it. And like my husband would be like, you don't need to do all this. Like you don't need to be starting a brand when you have your kids so young. But like you and I discussed, yes, we do. We do need this. And in a way, it's more pleasure than work. This is what we love to do. Yes. So it is more on our plate, but it's not necessarily more work for us because we enjoy it. Yeah. And also, I don't like having an empty plate. Even when I was home with my kids, I was so restless, right? I was like, because I knew that I wanted to be doing... So I would make up all these things like, okay, well, then I'll just like get into all my board work and I'll like start a new fundraiser and I'll do this event and like, then I'll stress myself out. And it's like, it doesn't matter how much I take off. I'm always stressing about something and my brain is always going. So I might as well throw a lot in there. Yes, exactly. (laughs) It's like like a washing machine. And if you press, like, I'm going to keep pressing start. It might as well be a really full washer. It's still the same amount of soap and it's still going to take the same amount of stuff. I actually do that. Same with the dishwasher. Every little crevice has to be complete before I will push it. Like I I have to get everything or I'll, I'll be washing dishes and then I'll see like a coffee mug out and I will stop it and I will put the coffee mug in. Like who does that? I pause my washers like every time, every time I'm like, Oh my gosh, wait, sometimes the other day, I can't even admit this. No, please. I'm sorry. I'm going to say me too. I was like, I took off what I was wearing because I was like, that will be the only clothes that are dirty in this house. And I grabbed a towel that I had just folded. And I was like, I just whipped my clothes off in the laundry room. And I was like, I'm just going to put them in. Zibby, I cannot relate to anything more. I have done it. If there's one item like of clothing in like my son's and I'm like, no, it's running. It's going. Right. I can't have anything. Are you the same with like the grocery store? Like if I got everything on my list, except one thing, I can't like, I have to go back. Like I cannot, everything has to be complete. All the stuff has to be in the, in the dishwasher, the washing machine. I have to get everything I needed from the grocery store or I obsess on it. And I thought I was only one. <laughs> I thought I know. I've actually never mentioned this to anyone before. Yes. Uh, I haven't even really thought about it much. But yes, like my last time at the grocery, I had to run to the car with two full carts. Yeah. Like I w- brought out one and then I had to run back in like, yes. the second cart. Um, because otherwise you can't cross it off the list. Yes. <laughs> You need like, to check it. I need to cross it off the list. And if something is here, then I've just started a new list with the next load of laundry. I don't want anything. There's still waiting. something looming and I want yes. it complete. A hundred percent. I feel the same way, but I only have two kids. 
You have four kids. I want to just get more into your story. Four, how old? Uh, six and seven, and then twins are? My twins are 13 and a half. Ooh. Actually, okay. they're going to be 14 in June, which is coming kind of soon. So It is coming kind of soon. And you're, you were there with your previous husband. Yes. And then how did you meet your new husband? I think I read. <laughs> he, um, he was... I met him because when I took my son in for a tennis lesson, he was a substitute tennis pro for my son. Oh my God. And I was like totally annoyed because I really wanted my son to have his regular tennis teacher. Um, <laughs> and there was Kyle. And at the time I had a two week old baby. Um, um, nothing happened then. This is just how I met him. <laughs> but yes, I noticed him and um, not in that way, but just like, well, frankly, I was so annoyed. Um, and then my son started having the lesson and he called me on the court and was like, um, Hey, you know, uh, your son doesn't like tennis. And I was like, yeah, I know that, you know, <laughs> you're like, supposed I need to him, fix that. I need it. I need him to run around. Like I have a baby <laughs> and a one and a half year old and like, he has too much energy as a seven year old boy. Like get, you know, I don't even care if you hurl tennis balls at him for half an hour. Just like, let me read the newspaper. Right. And he was like, well, you know, that's kind of not what I do. And he's not going to be ten- taking tennis lessons with me. And I was oh. like, who is this guy? You know, where did <laughs> you even come from? Um, but then I had like paid for a bunch of lessons and I love playing tennis. And somehow one way or another, that spring, I ended up taking lessons with him. Oh my myself. God. And then we really got to know each other that summer. And then I found myself like looking forward to the lessons more than anything. And all of a sudden bringing friends along to my lesson being like, isn't he so cute? (laughs) I was like, you should meet my tennis player. You have to meet him. He's such a cutie. And I'm thinking about him on, from his perspective, like he, I'm sure saw you and was like feeling the same way, but also thinking like she has four kids. How was that transition? Cause he had not been married and didn't have kids. And he was like, yes, bring this on. (laughs) Bless his heart. I think, I mean, first of all, he knew I had my older son um, and then I would bring his twin sister sometimes to lessons. So he knew I had the twins at first. And then one day I brought my little girl, who at the time was probably like two, mm-hmm. to like literally run around the court and pick up. And he was like, whoa, you have another kid. And I was <laughs> like, yeah. And then um, I asked him to like walk. He was walking out to his car. And um, and I brought him by my car. I was like, do you want to meet my baby? He's like, you have another one? <laughs> He's like, what? It just waits in the car, but they had just come to pick me up or something. Um, yeah. Uh, in fact, we, yeah. I mean, it's crazy. We, before we even got together, we like went for a walk on the beach and I was like, don't even kiss me because like, I'm not having any more kids. I have a crazy <laughs> right. life. Like I have four kids. You're not going to be able to deal with all this. Like my stomach is like a wasteland. I didn't want another human being to look at my stomach after these three C-sections, like, right. you know, just run. And he was like, no, I'm in. Oh my God. And Again, he's honestly, a movie. he's become like, you know, he's like such a dad figure to them. I mean, they have their dad obviously, but, um, he is just as invested. He's up making them breakfast. I mean, he is in it. Like he has taken them on like his own flesh and blood and it's amazing. Zibby, it's, this is a movie. And I, isn't he a movie producer? He, <laughs> he is. Produce your Actually, movie. So and I your brother. Wrote, yes. Yes. He's a movie producer. My brother's a movie producer. Um, your story. I wrote this movie. book. I wrote this book. Um, I called it 40 Love. Um, oh. And uh, I don't know. I, I wrote it first as a memoir, but it was kind of not successful because I, I can't really write about my former marriage because my ex-husband would not be happy about that, mm-hmm. nor do I really want my kids reading about that. So it felt like um, lopsided and yeah, like you're like, as a reader, you're like, well, what happened? Like, why'd right. you, you know? And then um, I wrote it as fiction 
And I literally sent it out this week last year, as we're recording, it's March 12th. I sent it out this week and like everyone left town, right? Yeah, we the, the world shut down. <laughs> and like, I, you know, it, my book is probably sitting on desks with like dust all over it. I sent like this cute little thing with tennis balls. Anyway, I only sent it to a couple editors um, who said it needed some work. And then I just haven't opened up the file. Um, you don't have to. But it's a fictionalized v- version. But now I'm thinking maybe I should just like pull open up the file and see yes. if I should send that back out again. I don't you know. You should. I would love to read this. But it's um, fiction. It's fiction. And I made it like very different. And um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Well, that is very exciting. I um I look forward to that and the movie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> before um what we talk about the world shutting down, pre-pandemic, just you were doing what? Like I know you were a champion of other women authors, but you were doing what are they called? Literary salons. What does that mean? So I started the podcast. I first I was just doing a lot of parenting essay writing. Then I started the podcast kind of on a lark. And um, one of my first guests said, you know, she, she knew somebody else who had these in-person sort of live podcasts. So a salon is just an, an interview, but we would do it in front of a whole group of people mm. in my living room. Yeah. Um, and I often like to pair two people who I found interesting for different reasons or who both, I don't know, the, had something with the Royal, I don't know, not like expected pairings necessarily, yeah. but something that I thought would be really interesting. So I started doing that and it was really fun. I started doing them every two to three weeks in my home and just have coffee and maybe some snacks and inviting sort of everybody I knew in New York. And I would always end up with about 40 people and usually different people based on the topic and the Mm -hmm. author. And that was really fun. And that was a great way to grow community at the beginning and spread the word about the podcast, which is not my intention. And then twice a year, I'd have these book fairs where I sold all the books that I'd had on my podcast the previous six months invited all the authors, and then invited all the people I knew to come and shop for the holidays and things like that. So that was also really fun. So that's what I was doing. And I was doing a lot of like, I would run to different bookstores and interview other people. And then when you couldn't do that anymore with COVID, um, you made the pot, you know, you started doing Instagram lives. Yes. With authors, like kind of putting the authors out there just virtually. I was literally like, if anyone wants publicity for the book that's about to get canceled, you know, that your tour is canceled and everything, just email me. So all the publicists, I was, and I just fit everybody in. I I, I don't think I said no to anybody. I still was doing the podcast and I'm, I was, I've always been very selective of what I do because I theoretically have to read all the books. Um, but the Instagram live, I just, you know, and then, and then a friend said, why don't you make your book club? Why don't you make your events like an online book club and we can all read together. And I was like, Oh, that's a good idea. So like two minutes later, I was like, okay, well now I have an online book club. (laughs) It just progressed. It kept growing (laughs) organically. Then you had another podcast. The first one is Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Yes, that is like my flagship yes. product. Award-winning on Oprah flagship product. <laughs> and then now we have Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight that was more yes. recent. Yep. And it's a private group um, on social media. Yep. After like the pandemic, tests. I was like, I've gained all this weight. I have to lose weight. And I like posted about it. And so many people were like, me too. And here's what you should do. And everybody had all these different theories of how to lose weight. And I was like, all right, well, we all want to do it a different way, but maybe we can all do it together. So I started Moms Don't Time to Lose Weight. And then I started a podcast, which I actually love, love doing. Um, yeah. So that's... Uh, I wanted to ask about that. So you alluded, I listened to our, the podcast I did with you back and you alluded to your fitness struggles and journeys. What 
let's go into that. Like, oh man, you- that's like a whole, I mean, we don't even have time for that, Erin. That's we like- do. I, I'm just scheduling for all day. Do you have to do other things? I thought we were just chatting. <laughs> um, oh, I struggle. Well, I struggle. Not like in a, you know, I've never, I'm probably like at my heaviest now to be honest. You know, this is, I go up and down. I, I mean, I've gone up and down 20 pounds for a long time and I have just always had to really think about it. I've, I, 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 I've just never been like skinny. I've Mm -hmm. never been, I've never liked the fact that when I eat normally, um, I am like sort of larger than I would like. Um, I've come to some sort of peace sort of with that at this age now that I'm (laughs) in mid forties and I'm like, whatever. Um, I mean, I'm not really like that, but no, yeah. And I, I have tried every diet in the book and, I've never honestly been that overweight. I've never had an obesity problem. Like I've never been that overweight. It's just um, overweight enough that it really bothers me and that I can't keep it stable and that I go yeah. up and down. I have clothes in so many sizes. And um, you know, if I work out all the time, which I've gone through periods of time, I love working out. I'm like, but you know, I love to play tennis and play sports and swim and like whatever. I used to play a lot of sports, but um, when I can't work out a lot and I don't restrict my food, like I gain weight, like everybody. Right. Um, but for some reason I, that bothers me and I feel like it's a struggle when really it's, it's not for sense. some reason. It is because you are a firstborn perfectionist personality and I have the same thing and it never bothered my three younger sisters. What you're talking about, I swear it's something with birth order, like that perfectionist just wanting, and I guess thin is the ideal that you strive for. And you just recently reshared an essay you did for Red Book about your goggy. Yes. And like, I, like, I just got goosebumps thinking about it. Like, she was still stressing yes. eating a piece of cake in her 90s. Oh, well, thank you for listening or reading or whatever. Um, yes, I, Goggy, my grandmother who just passed away this year at age 97, mm-hmm. until the day she died, was like worried about, do I look fat? Did I lose weight? You know, going to curves, doing the whole thing. Yeah. Um, and I was kind of like, it's so beside the point. Look at you, you know, you're a 90 year old woman. No one's checking out your body, but it didn't end with her. <laughs> and I was wondering, like, does this not end? Like, right. I always assumed, like, Ugh, let me just get to age whatever, and then I don't have to worry about my body anymore. And then I had this like realization that it was never going to end unless I dealt with it now. Like, it doesn't disappear. You have to come, you have to work your way through it, or your eating issues don't go away. So I did like a paper survey and I sent, <laughs> tons of surveys to my both my two grandmothers you know nursing homes essentially and put they I asked them to put them in all the mailboxes uh, for all their friends and then and then bring you know get them all back which they did they were like so excited to help out and um and then I I am a psychology major I used to like run studies in college and stuff so I um I like analyzed all the data to see you know what would it correlate with and blah 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 and um you know this is very armchair armchair research, but, um, you know, people who had early in life eating disorders were still dealing with it. And many women were still weighing themselves every day, getting upset if they were up two pounds, no matter how old they were. And I was like, I cannot let that happen to me. Like, I just can't, I can't waste all this energy. Um, and while I've never officially had an eating disorder, um, I did go through, I was a Weight Watchers leader 
Mm-hmm. And um, I got so hooked on Weight Watchers that I lost so much weight that like I stopped getting my period and I wrote down yeah. every single thing I ate for five years. And I oh got God. down to a size two, um, which for my body is just not where it's meant to be at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't look, I looked great. <laughs> like, yeah, like, you get praise for it, which is another yeah, I looked great, topic. but I was sick. Like I was yeah. having all sorts of, my hair was falling out. I was freezing cold all the time. Like, How old were you? When this, um, this I was like- from 28 to wow. when I had my kids, like, eight, well, actually, and then I, well, and then I lost all the weight after I had my kids and got right back into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was with my, by the time I had my third kid that I've kind of been like, but then I got divorced and I lost. anyway, it's been like There's a whole always, thing. Yeah. There's I always something. It's interesting that you said you have to like deal with it or it's always going to be with you. And women that had eating disorders in their nineties are still worried about it. I, did we get into this on your podcast? Did we talk about how I'm not healed? <laughs> I don't no. know if you knew it. So I put out my book that you read, um, A Journey to Finding Balance. And I'm actually going to write a second edition and it's going to be called Squats and Margaritas, The Journey Continues because I never got treatment. And I felt like because I don't abuse my body anymore, I don't binge and purge. I don't restrict. I eat all the time. I really don't even think about it that much that I was healed. <laughs> like I did it. Um, and I had the CEO of Project Heal and Eating Disorder Foundation on, and I, I had her on my podcast and I was like, I just want to talk about everything eating disorders, the stigmas, who it affects the most, all these things. That was the intent. And as I'm like talking to her and telling my story, it was like this. And she kept going. And I was like, what is this? And she was like, in a different context, I may say, and I was like, no, tell me, I want to know. And she's like, you may not practice those behaviors anymore, but your language and everything kind of equating back to, she's like, you'll say, I just started eating more and eating and lifting heavy and I lost 20 pounds. She's like, it always comes back to like a weight thing for you. And I was just like, like, I, I do still think about that. And I, I admittedly feel better when I'm in my best body. And she's like, you should feel happy at any size if you're truly healed. And I was like, okay. And then I think back, like on Amazon, I got some reviews that were like, it's an eating disorder, basically disguised as wellness and balance. Mm. And I, I pushed back and I was like, I know what an eating disorder is. I, like you said, I used to jot down all the calories of everything. I would work out. I would binge and purge, like make myself throw up. I know what I abused my body and I don't do anything like that anymore. So I don't have an eating disorder. That's what I told myself, but mentally I'm not there yet. And I want to put the book out because it didn't get a huge, I mean, I, published it myself. So it's not like a lot of people saw it, but like, I want to have all the tips on how I came to balance, but here's what I've learned since. And I'm not healed and I didn't get therapy. I just thought I stopped abusing my body. Like I'm good now. And she enlightened me that I'm actually not. So now everything I say, I have to watch. I'm happy. It's about finding that balance and happiness, not finding the balance and happiness and finally losing the 20 pounds. She's like, that's what needs to not, she said, you should be happier at any weight. You should want to live at a higher weight so you don't get triggered. And I'm not there yet. Like I'm happy in my best body, but I got it in a healthy way. So that was like my message. But she's like, mentally, you have a lot of work to do. So I guess I'm rewriting (laughs) or adding on. And I just took it. She wrote, she followed up. She was like, you just took it. And I'm so proud of you for just being like, wow. Cause I didn't, I didn't get therapy. Like I didn't know that once you just stop abusing your body, I don't want to be 90 years old and still getting on the scale. So 
you, like you said, you need to like check it and get past it, or it's going to be something that's looming over you for the rest of your life. And reading that essay, I was just like, I can't be like, she was like, I got the lobster roll, but I didn't have the cake. I don't need the calories. If you can't have the cake at 90, when can you have it? You know? So my message of living with balance did find me my best body when the restriction and the, all the stuff I was doing to get a physical ideal didn't work. So I wanted to tell the woman that's working out seven days a week and not eating, try it this way. And that's how I found my best body. But because it was about finding a best body, I'm not. Well, healed. then, then like 90% <laughs> of women have an eating disorder. That's what I said. No, don't, please don't. Now you're making yourself feel bad. You've made so much progress and you are doing so great. And I honestly, look, disordered eating and preoccupation with your body. It, these are like different things. I think. I mean, yeah. Like wanting to have your best body is not an eating disorder. You might want it to be healthy. You might want it to be strong. Yes. That was the other thing. It's not about thin. She said, you're happy and you wrote the book because your fat phobia was satisfied. And I, I mean, I welcomed, I told her, she wasn't going to say any of this. I asked for it. And she's like, that's why she said, had you found balance and not lost 20 pounds, would you have written the book? And I was like, no, I wouldn't have, because I want to talk to the person that's doing well, these restrictive things to say, you don't have to do that and you can get the goal. But she's like, but again, you, the goal. I don't buy it. I, I mean, look, I am not an expert, but well, I, you wrote, I read your book and your book was saying, oh my gosh, look what I realized. Yeah. I can help you if you just listen to me. You're never going to believe it. It can be so much easier. Like you yeah. don't have to put yourself through all this stuff. Yeah. That's what I, I mean, that's, I, think I know what every, my intention was, but. So many people have issues with their body and eating and it's hard because there's amazing food all the time and we've all been at home for a year. Mm-hmm. And I think just take the pressure off. I mean, not to say therapy is not amazing and, you know, go yeah, for it. Yeah. Like that would, but, but yeah, I mean, um, there's a difference. Well, I don't know. I think there's a difference between still having an eating disorder and just working on your relationship with food. Mm-hmm. But I, I guess I don't want it to come off as of like, here's how to do it. Like I have healed because I clearly haven't. So I may want to rework it again. It didn't get a huge distribution on my Instagram. So I'm going to try to, I mean, I, I, she, I hear what she's saying and I've had people on with eating disorders and the balance that I talk about, he's like, it, the, the guy was a NFL tight end and he was bulimic and he came out and he was like, if you're working out in the morning so you can have a cookie, which I feel like is fine. He's like, it shouldn't be an equation. And I'm just like, okay, <laughs> I, have to just, I do that, but it's a healthy, I don't think it's, I don't know. We could talk about this all day. Let's talk about your book. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also have a whole thing on that. So all your authors that you've had on your podcast, you had them contribute to the book that just came out, Moms Don't Have Time, a quarantine anthology. And all of the proceeds, all of them are going to COVID-19 vaccine research, which amazing. And I, I don't want to put a downer on it, but can you share why you chose that and like the devastating things that has happened to your family during this pandemic? Yeah, my husband's grandmother, who he called Nini, um, went to the hospital for um, something else during COVID where it was a life-threatening situation. So she had to go. Um, She got COVID in the hospital and they wouldn't test her before she left, even though 
Susan, her daughter, was there with her in a mask and asking them to test, and they wouldn't. Um, and they went back home. They were in a tiny hospital in outside Charlotte, North Carolina. And they went home, and Nini got COVID and then gave it to Susan. And Nini went back into the hospital, and this time wasn't for the pre-existing condition. It was because she was now like dying of COVID. And Susan was already sick, and my mother-in-law had to stuff her hazmat suit full of ice packs to say goodbye to her mother in the hospital. And then she went home and the day after Nini died, she had to go to the hospital. It was there for six weeks in three different hospitals and we were managing her care remotely and it was horrific. And it involved like a hella transfer and a life support ECMO machines, like stroke. I mean, it was awful. And our life was lived in like three hour increments um, for six weeks this summer and she died. It, I still can't believe she died. Anyway, it was awful. And um, I shared very publicly about it because I became the point person for everyone who knew her and her daughter, Stephanie, my sister-in-law and Kyle, my husband. And oh, it was just awful. And it ended with us all going down to Duke and I didn't go in, but they went in the last two days to say goodbye to her. And, um, you know, it was terrible. The yeah. FaceTime, I mean, it, it was... I, it, it was so bad and um, should not have happened. She was 63 and beautiful and um, not that she was beautiful, but she happened to have been beautiful and very young and youthful and in and no really great health. Right? No and underlying she conditions. That she was healthy, so um, recently divorced. Like she had a new boyfriend. She was like about to, she was just like overflowing with energy and it was crazy. I, and you know, they were so close, mm-hmm. Kyle and Steph. I mean, they're the closest family. They would all text all day. And I was like, this is so weird. Like, what are you guys doing? Like you text with your mom all day long. And he's like, yeah, they all do. They all did. Yeah. So, and she, and the mom lived with the grandmother. So yeah, that's oh. why. So I started this Susan Felice Owens program for COVID-19 vaccine research at Mount Sinai. Uh, health system where I'm on the board here in New York and they're working on a low cost vaccine uh, administered in one dose through the nose, which will hopefully be uh, used for developing countries that can't afford this and doesn't have to be stored at such low temperatures. So there's some top notch scientists working on it and um, I'm I'm hopeful they're going into uh, they, the animal trials were very successful and now um, they're moving into to human trials. That is outstanding. And all the proceeds from the book will go towards that. Yeah. All my proceeds. Yeah. That's amazing. And it's moms don't have time to, and it's read, work out, eat, have sex and breathe. Yes. (laughs) Which we all relate to. These kind of books make other moms who don't have time for those things and don't say it out loud, feel seen and comfortable and just like, okay, I'm not alone. And I applaud you for making this book. And is there a second? anthology there's coming? a second it's coming out november 2nd it's called moms don't have time to have kids uh which i thought was really funny um and uh because we're all so busy uh and that'll be another five topics moms don't have time to sleep write lose weight um see friends and did i say get sick no and get sick <laughs> you got covid dude why I did i even say that i did ah. yeah Oh my God. <laughs> it's been a year. It's been quite a year. It has I was, been a year. I was pretty sick. I was in bed for nine days. Um, oh and God. it was during my book launch and I had a lot of cognitive effects, dizziness and vertigo and foggy brain. And, um, this is when I realized by the way, that normally 
I have a, a capacity that's really pretty yeah, substantial. Superhuman. <laughs> when it when it became completely diminished is when I realized. Oh, right. So, um, yeah. Anyone <laughs> so that, like feeling bad for themselves like me that I was quarantined with a two and a five-year-old. If your family is safe and healthy, like you're winning. Like what you went have been through in this pandemic and people are just, you know, they're not, they're inconvenienced almost by it. It really puts everything into perspective, like what you've been through. Or like, how do you, like people that don't wear masks or that aren't getting vaccinated, that has to like strike mm-hmm. a nerve in you. The mask thing. Um, yeah. 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 But it's hard. I mean, don't diminish how hard it's been for you. Like, just because yeah. I had this happen in my life, I really empathize with what it must be like having two little kids. I mean, you still had a really rough year. Don't take it that away. Um, yeah, you know, but, so. I don't know. <clears throat> um, so the second anthology is coming in November. Did I see you're writing children's books? <laughs> Why don't you do put something else on your plate? Do you? I mean. I did. I just <laughs> did. No, seriously. I just no. decided. Yes. I just decided to start Moms Don't Have Time to Travel. And I'm like super excited. I want to do like retreats and all these great things and like a whole community around travel and like recommendations. And eventually I want an app and like I want a whole thing. I have a whole like vision. Oh, you'll do it. I don't I I already started. I was like on a call this morning. And and then I'm starting Moms Don't Have Time to Grieve. I just found the perfect person to do that. um, To do that. And I'm not sure what that will look like, but I found somebody to be in charge of like that. And also, um, moms don't have time to have sex. It's going to be a podcast with this amazing British sex expert who's hilarious. Um, so I'm doing those. Um, and then I, and then I just started this fellowship for aspiring debut memoirists. I'm writing a memoir myself. You are? Yeah. I don't know. I'm doing all these different things. I don't know how I'm, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know how I'm doing it, but there's so Uh, much and I'm like trying to fit it all in before, you know, I die. So (laughs) God, Zibby, like, I don't want to take any more of your time. (laughs) Where can people find you? Um, um, my Instagram is at Zibby Owens, Z-I-B-B-Y-O-W-E-N-S. And my, my, um, my website is ZibbyOwens.com. My main podcast is Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books and Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight with more to come. Uh, but follow me and see what I'm up to because you never know with me. <laughs> By the time this airs, it's going to be like, oh, she didn't mention the seven other things <laughs> that we... I... Yeah. I I'm so excited to have been connected to you. Uh-oh. If I ever make it to New York, we'll do margaritas. I would <laughs> love it. I know my kids and uh, my husband were downstairs before I came up and they're like, what podcast are you on? I'm like, squats and margaritas. And they're like, all right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Love to meet them too. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. This is so fun. Thank you so much for listening to the Squats and Margaritas podcast. If you haven't subscribed, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And I'll see you next week for a brand new episode of Squats and Margaritas. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, 
my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 smart bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 special edition smart bed. Plus special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.